following audio is from Crossroads Church in West Ossipee, New Hampshire. For more information about Crossroads Church, you can go to www.crossroadsossipee.com. Good morning. Well, we are uh, continue our study in uh, uh, Paul's epistle to the Ephesians. In uh, chapter 6, uh, verse uh, 10 through 18 this morning, uh, page 979 in the Pew Bibles, and up on the screen as well. Unless uh, we. You can't pray for me. <laughs> um, Last week we talked about how as Christians we face a very real enemy. And no matter how wicked or perverse or cruel or antagonistic people are, people are not our enemy. Our enemy is the devil. Satan, the ancient serpent, Orin lion seeking someone to devour and within, within whom there is no truth at all. He is the one who stands opposed God ends. He is the thief that comes to steal and kill and destroy. He is our enemy. He merely uses people uses his captives to try to thwart and discredit God in the world. And mankind, if left to ourselves, cannot overcome this great and terrible enemy. As Martin Luther put in an old song you've probably never heard of, a mighty fortress is our God. He referred to the devil and said, On earth is not his equal. No man, no woman can stand up against the devil in the power of their own strength and win. But praise God, those of us who have faith in the Lord Jesus are not left without defenses against the devil's schemes. And that's the topic of our text today. So we'll look at Ephesians 6 and then we'll pray. Ephesians 6, verse 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of good, that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand firm. Stand, therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith 
with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. We stop there. Let's pray. Um, Father, we are grateful that you brought us here today. We're grateful for your word and for your spirit that interprets it to us. We pray, Father, your spirit would do that work now. It's again, it's all right this morning, but your spirit can still speak to us. So we pray you give us ears to hear and hearts to receive the message. I pray you would do the work, speak the word of God this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, I think the armor of God is among the most marketed images in all of Christianity. Uh, the cross is clearly number one, but the armor of God has to be in the top five. Uh, you can find the books and T-shirts and bracelets and figurines and playsets and necklaces and plaques for your wall and clips for the visor in your car and flannel graphs and keychains and Bible covers, even Star Wars-themed nursery decor, decor that quotes the verses here in Ephesians. I thought about getting it from my office. I searched on the Amazon Amazon showed 5,404 products related to the armor of God. Not bad. I find it ironic, however, that something that is so popular in Christian culture is also something that is so neglected in my own life. I can't speak for yours. The armor of God as it is listed here in Ephesians 6, consists of six pieces, six armaments. The belt, the breastplate, the shoes, the shield, the helmet, and the sword. Now, I uh, admit to you that I used to play a lot of Dungeons and Dragons when I was in high school, and so this whole swinging swords and shields and fighting armor and stuff like that it always appealed to me. These pictures always appealed to me. But something I hadn't noticed before in the 57 million times I've read this text, I hadn't noticed before that the three, that three pieces of the armor of God are already in place for believers in Jesus and three pieces we are instructed to take up. And today... Because I don't want to finish Ephesians all in one lump. We stretch it out some more. We're only going to look at three of those pieces. The three pieces that are already in place. And we'll get to the rest next time, maybe. Look at the verse of 14 and 15. Stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. Now you see how they all say, having fastened, having put on, having put on. When a, a phrase will repeat in a short text, it's usually significant. 
I slowed down, maybe that helped. John Calvin warned not to get too caught up on which piece is which and why it's the belt of truth and the breastplate of righteousness and not the other way around. It's simply the picture of a military warrior in full armor was good enough. And while I don't want to get caught up in the minutiae, I think that Paul put the label on each of these different pieces of armor and placed them in this order on purpose. God has already placed on each believer these three pieces of armor when they come to faith in Jesus Christ. When we were saved, we were also clothed with this equipment. The first, the first piece of God's armor is the belt of truth. Verse 14 says, Stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth. Um, this is a weak translation, I'm afraid. Uh, this in the original language is an idiom. Do you know what the idiom is? It's like a, a figure of speech. Uh, and that's difficult to translate from Greek to English. But it means to uh, gird your loins. You've heard that expression before? I think King James actually used that, having girded your loins with the girdle of truth. I think that's why they changed it. They don't want guys to think about wearing a girdle. But, uh, oh well, um, it's what it means. It's what it says. It, having girded your line, loins with the truth. Now, um, in antiquity, a soldier's girdle <laughs> was not like a, uh, what we think of when you watch a western and the ladies are dressed in those funny big fluffy dresses but a soldier's girdle is a very wide leather belt and not so when you read the belt of truth you think of the ancient half strap of leather you have around your waist maybe but it's not even close it goes around your waist and that's pretty much where the similarity ends in antiquity a soldier's girdle was a very wide leather belt that served as protection for his belly and his loins and it's also where he hung his sword and his breastplate attached. This was the very first piece of armor to be put on by the soldier and served as a foundation for the rest of it. Your breastplate would just flop around if you didn't have anything to hook it to. And that won't do you any good. The soldier's girdle protected his most vulnerable parts. It's no wonder that Paul used this very first, very important, and very foundational piece of armor to represent the truth. You don't have any bones that grow around your guts, so there's no natural protection there. He said that, uh, that as Christians, we've already fastened it on. Our loins are already girded with the truth. Well, how can this be? It's very simple. Simple is usually correct, right? Didn't we just have a discussion about that? Jesus is the truth. Remember that? 
Jesus said about himself in John 14:6, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. When we put on Christ, we put on a truth around our waist. Through faith in Jesus, the way, the truth, and the life, we have forgiveness of sin and the revelation of God the Father through our Lord Jesus. Our most vulnerable places are protected by the truth himself, and he himself serves as the foundation and anchor for the rest of God's armor. Does that make sense? Good, I didn't write anything more to explain it. That was funny in my head. Maybe we need to pray again. <laughs> yeah, laugh this time. I needed maybe a sign to hold up. Laugh, polite laughter. The first piece of God's armor is the bell of truth, the girdle of truth. Now you can read it and snicker to yourself. The second piece is the breastplate of righteousness. Stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness. Mm. I've heard uh, people say and preachers preach and commentators commentate that uh, the breastplate only cover the front. So if you turn and run, you're going to get stabbed in the back. Well, it's not very good research because the breastplate is the word in the Greek is thorax. Do you know what a thorax is? It's your midsection. It's a piece of armor that covers your front and back, uh, covers your chest. So I even saw pictures. I Googled it. There's, there's armor on the back, and if the Internet says it's true, it must be true. That was a joke. Thank you for laughing. <laughs> Clear it up. The breastplate, the thorax, uh, the piece of armor that covers the soldiers' of vital organs, front and back, is the righteousness of faith and life, justification and sanctification before God and men, found only through faith in Jesus Christ. Romans 3, 21, 22 in the New International Version says, But now apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been made known to which the law and the prophets testify. This righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. The breastplate of righteousness was put in place by God when we came to faith in Jesus, is anchored on the truth and works in concert with the truth through holy and righteous living as empowered by the Holy Spirit to protect us from the schemes of the devil. What I mean is that through faith in Jesus Christ, we are made right with God. Our debt of sin was paid on the cross. And when we put our faith in him, he sends his Holy Spirit to live within us, to empower us to work for him, and to be able to say no to sin, 
to resist the devil and his temptations. That's the breastplate of righteousness given to us when we come to faith. So I have the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, and finally the shoes of the gospel of peace. Stand therefore having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and as shoes for your feet having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. So what is the readiness given by the gospel of peace? Now some take this to mean that uh, we are to take the gospel to the world to always be ready to give an answer for the hope that's within us. Like the scripture says, how beautiful on the mountains are the feet of them who bring good news. But that's not what it means. While we are to do those things, we are to share the gospel with every creature, and we are to be ready to defend our faith and what we believe. Those ideas don't match Paul's picture here. What's the goal given to us in our text? What are we supposed to do? Start before that. The first word is stand. To stand our ground. To stand our ground against the enemy. Now we also must remember that this is past tense. The shoes of readiness given by the gospel of peace through faith in Jesus, are already on your feet. This is how I think all this works out. The gospel itself is literally the good news. That's what the word gospel means. Good news, that through faith in Jesus Christ, we have peace with God. And since God is the only one who can destroy our bodies and souls in hell, He is the one that we should be most concerned that we have peace with. The devil cannot condemn us to hell. Do you know that? I want to make sure that you know that. Hell is not the devil's kingdom. This is not like the old cartoons where he's down there with his pitchfork around a bowling cauldron and want to throw people in it. The devil does not live in hell. The devil doesn't want to go there. Hell is the place that the devil fears the most because he knows that the day is coming where he himself will be destroyed in a lake of fire. The readiness that comes from the gospel of peace is the readiness to stand our ground in preparation for conflict. Because we know it's coming, but we have confidence that the battle is already won. Romans 5 puts it this way. Since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance. 
and endurance produce a character, and character produce a hope. And hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, who has been given to us. Our charge is to stand against the schemes of the devil. And his weapons are his weapons and methods are lies and temptations and the ambushes. Sneak attack. But as those who have faith in Jesus Christ for salvation and the forgiveness of sin, we already have half of God's armor placed on us by Christ Himself. The devil has lies. What do we have? The truth. The devil has temptation to sin. But what do we have? Righteousness. The righteousness of Christ. The devil lies in ambush. But we are ready. We, have, we are courageous and ready because we stand on the gospel knowing that we have peace with God, and that's the only peace that really matters. If we would truly grab hold of the resources God has already given us, if we would take up the whole armor of God, what kind of lives would we live? What kind of church would we be? Now, this is a prayer for me. You can pray for yourself if you want. But how often do we neglect these things? We give in to the temptations and we believe the lies and we're caught by surprise by the enemy. Why? Because we neglect the armor of God. It looks great on a t-shirt or coffee mug. But what about reality? We have to prepare ourselves for battle. We can't just assume that life is going to roll on and our goal is just to survive. As, as long as we make it through, till we're dead. <laughs> okay, that's success. Our charge is to stand our ground. And we can only stand when we're clothed in these things. We can't expect victory over temptation we can't expect victory over lies we can't expect victory over a sneak attack from the enemy if we're not to uh, take advantage of the resources God has given us to protect us in order to stand our ground I think it would be in my own life if I really uh, took hold of these things I want to find out. Don't you? All right. Well, let's do it. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your grace that arms those who have faith in you. I pray, Lord, first of all, that everyone gathered here would have put their trust in the Lord Jesus that their sins would be forgiven that be adopted by a father and armed with the armor of God if there's anyone here who's not put their faith in you Lord I pray they would ask for your forgiveness 
and receive it by faith. And Lord, for those of us who know you and have walked with you a long time, I pray we would not neglect the armor of God, which you have given to us. But we would take advantage of the defense that you have given to us, the truth and the righteousness, a right relationship with you, and the readiness for this attacks of the devil. I pray, Lord, again, that you would remind us of these things, that you would get all the glory, because you have already won the war. And we're just waiting for that day that the clouds part and the Lord Jesus comes back and we don't have to fight anymore. We look forward to that day, Lord. We pray all this in Jesus' name, amen. If you'd like to participate in the mission of Crossroads Church through financial support, checks can be mailed to Crossroads Church, Post Office Box 576 West Ossipee, New Hampshire, 03890.